0: Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So in today's
1: podcast, we're going to spend a little bit of time taking a look at the robotics industry and maybe talk a little about sort of how we've got here to where we are here right now in 2020, (laughs) recording this podcast, and the state of the robotics industry. And if you've been following our podcasts and our research and also the things that we write in Forbes and in Target, you'll see that we spend some time talking about the robotics industry as an industry. You know, not just in terms of what people do with robotics, there's a lot of interesting things going on with robotics, but we also like to talk about it as an industry because it's got some interesting challenges. Of course, we also have had some really interesting interviews about the robotics industry, including an interview with iRobot CEO. Colin Angle. And we're going to continue to have those interviews. And, you know, it's kind of funny for many of you don't realize this. You know, I went to MIT as an undergrad and my undergrad advisor was Rodney Brooks. And when we started our AI Today podcast, I was actually hoping to have him as our very first interview. <laughs> so we were going to try to chase him around as our first interview. We haven't yet had him on as an interview on AI Today podcast, but hopefully he's listening or somebody, you know, he knows is listening and we'd love to have him on because we are still very much interested in talking about where we are with robotics.
0: Right. So, you know, as Ron mentioned, we have had various guests on about robotics and then we've talked about the subject as well, but we wanted to spend some time today digging a little bit deeper into this topic. So first kind of give a quick background about where we are and then talk about what's happening in the robotics industry because it's a little curious. So we'll spend some time talking about Mm -hmm. that. So the intelligent autonomous robots have long been a dream of science fiction and various shows and movies show this. So Rosie from the Jetsons or C-3PO from Star Wars, those are some of the good intelligent robots. And then we have, you know, robots like the Terminator on the other side of it. But those robots haven't really come to fruition. And the types of robots we have today are a little bit different. So where exactly are we with robotics? What's the state of robotics now? And how are they actually being applied?
1: So for those who know a little bit about robots, actually, the word robot comes from the Slavic word from there is a play called R.U.R. by Karl Chopic and he coined the term robot. And robot is robot, you know, in Slavic means to work, right? So it's just a little worker, right? You know, an autonomous little worker. And the idea of having some machine that can basically do these tasks, these repeatable tasks, you know, while some of it is science fiction, especially the ones that can think and walk and move and <laughs> do all the things that we can see in science fiction, you know, the current, the robots we have are actually exactly what the old Slavic, you know, root word is, which is they're just workers. They do repeat work. And those robots are are really very not sexy at all. You know, they're traditional robots that we have that are actually in practice now. The ones that are actually doing work are the industrial robots that you see around and the other robots that we have that are vacuuming our floors and, you know, cleaning our swimming pools and executing all sorts of tasks. Those are basically just, you know, mechanical, right? Mechanical robots. And we like those robots. The reason why we use those robots is based on a term that the Japanese coined, the three Ks in Japanese, which turned into the four Ds in English, which were focused on the tasks that we would prefer a robot to do that humans really shouldn't be doing. Those are the four Ds are, you know, dirty tasks or dangerous tasks or dear, which means expensive tasks or dull, demeaning tasks. And, you know, when you think about those tasks that you would much rather have some sort of automated bot doing you could think of you know the dangerous ones like so the manufacturing industrial robots that have been used for decades since the 60s and 70s in major automotive you know places and then of course you could think of the bots that are much more the sort of more dull tasks you know the delivery bots and the vacuuming bots and you know that's kind of where you see the use of bots now that are actually in a practical way.
0: Right. So some examples of where we've seen robots is manufacturing robots, like Ron said, and that those have been around for decades. Those put cars together, work on assembly lines, things like that. We have healthcare robots. We've started to see them where robots will wander the hallways of hospitals and they'll help deliver supplies and medications. We've also seen robot surgeon so that they're able to assist with complex surgeries and procedures, augmenting the human doctor's role in the procedure. They're normally like a augmented Mm -hmm. intelligence in that respect. And then we also see military and law enforcement scenarios. So there's a lot of use cases for that. And if you guys are not familiar with it, we run a monthly AI and government event. And we had two people from the Army Research Lab talk about different applications for AI in the army. And they presented on some of these robots that they had, you know, and some autonomous robots of all different varying sorts, some vehicles, some that, you know, help the warfighter. So we'll link to that in the show notes. And we encourage you to check that out as well. If you guys have not been to it, it's free for everybody to attend. And it's virtual for a while with everything that's been going on. So they presented on some really cool things as well. So this is where the industry is with different bots. Some are more advanced than others. Yeah. And
1: the thing about most of those bots, they're actually performing real work every day. They're providing high value. They, you know, they're not going to go away tomorrow. The companies that are supporting them are very strong and very well funded and supported and they'll continue to exist. But of course they're not, there's, there's very little in the way of machine learning in there. They're not intelligent bots. They're not meant to do. You know, random tasks, you're not going to ask that welding bot to start delivering shoes in hotel rooms. It's just, you know, it's just not going to happen. As a matter of fact, you know, we'd spent some time talking about this before. A lot of those bots are somewhat dangerous themselves. You know, the industrial bots, you really can't be in physical proximity. A human can't be in close physical proximity. To industrial bots because they're not aware of your presence, right? And, it's, and they usually have to be caged off. And it really took the emergence of something called collaborative bots, cobots, as a way to introduce some of the aspects of intelligence which would be things like just awareness of the surroundings and a certain amount of retrainability that you could take this arm that might do one task and then quite easily you know train it to do another task and it'll within the bounds of what that arm can physically do it can do those things and that was the whole emergence of the so-called cobot or collaborative bot industry which took off i think about 10 years ago maybe in the late 2000s is when the first cobot Part arms in the 90s i
0: think yeah, was when it
1: was yeah first coined and and then it became popular and they're still around providing value in, in various different ways. And that's oh yeah. That's one sense of the of the bot, right?
0: Right. And cobots actually, you know, a lot of robots that you think of and interact with, those are cobots. There's another type of bot where, you know, those are physical bots that we've been talking about, but they're software bots as well. And so As we mentioned that there could be physical robots roaming hallways, working alongside humans, stuff like that. There's also robots that can be software automated robots. So we've talked a lot about robotic process automation, RPA, and these are really software bots that do things that emulate humans, movements, and can mimic tasks that we do. A lot of tasks related to what we do on the computer, things like that. So that's another type of bot, and we're not going to get into that too much in this podcast, but we do want to make sure that we're addressing all sides of it. An RPA implementation is able to act very similarly to how humans would interact, and so this software can help with different integration problems, different software integration problems that people have. So we also talk fairly regularly about this, like I said, in all of our podcasts, and Cognolytica recently produced a report on digitization and digitalization. So if you guys are subscribers, we encourage you to check that report out because it digs a little bit deeper. Digitization is really level zero of intelligence, but it's a foundational layer and that's where RPA comes into play. Mm-hmm. So that's why we bring it up in this podcast.
1: Now, I don't really fall to the RPA industry for using the word robotics, because as just mentioned, in the true sense of the word robot, it's not meant to mean intelligent, it's just meant to mean worker, right? And I think the problem comes in with sort of popular media and just in general, like I saw an interview with a venture capitalist who invested in one of the RPA firms, and they were confused. They actually put money in They for thinking that the robot was one thing, this intelligent, and they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was just software automation, you know, <laughs> workflow automation. I'm like... Yeah, and I think it's like you know, it's like why does the word robot? It's like you know, when, when you say it, it's like you have in your mind this one context. It's like oh, is this intelligent thing? I'm like no, 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 you don't understand. Most robots are just dumb repeating things Now that doesn't make them not useful that just makes them dumb repeating things I think when we start to get into trouble and we'll talk a little bit about this when we try to make these bots do things that they really are not capable of doing and the I guess we just get into that trough of disillusionment you know, as they, as they say or sort of like it's the over promise and under deliver that's where we always get into trouble with AI it's like yes. going all the way back to you always get into trouble when you over promise and under deliver. And I think this is kind of where we've seen the most notable failures in the robotics industry. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that right now. Now, some robotics companies have been fairly successful, right? You know, and we actually had an interview with the founder of one of those successful robotic companies, right? <laughs>
0: Right. So we had an interview with Colin Engel, who's the founder of iRobot. And actually iRobot is celebrating their 30th anniversary. So, you know, they've been around for quite some time. They're an incredibly popular and successful robotics brand and robotics company. Also, Boston Dynamics is another very popular one. Mm-hmm. But notably, you know, and I mean, I could go on and on with the list of companies that are out there that are successful. But Mm -hmm. notably, there's been some failures Mm -hmm. in the robotics industry as well. So we have written about this. In twenty eighteen, so it's actually a few years ago now, Rethink Robotics, who was a collaborative robot company, they closed their doors for good because they weren't able to raise another round of funding and they didn't have enough money to operate and so they closed their doors. Mm-hmm. And then Anki in March of twenty nineteen also closed their doors. And then there's been a few others as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we, we tracked about twenty or so companies and we will sort of follow up this podcast maybe with a little more detail on that and, and for those of you who are listening to it, we'll link to information about that in our show notes as well. But it's actually a surprisingly long and growing list of robotics companies that have failed, and primarily failed due to lack of money, honestly. Well, that's why most companies fail, but (laughs) (laughs) most, not all, but, but it's kind of, it's this weird Alternate universe, I would like to say, in investing, because on the one hand you have software robotics companies that are basically not even necessarily spinning their products as intelligent. Although, well, sometimes they used to. By the way, we used to chide them because they used the word RPA and AI interchangeably. And I think the whole industry said, "No, your bots are just repeaters. That doesn't make them, you know, not intelligent not useful. But it doesn't make that AI." But those companies raised. Ridiculous sums of money. I mean, the top three or four vendors in that software bots field, like, are all valued over a billion dollars. So-called unicorns, right? But at the same time, you have actual physical robot companies building real robots that are physical that cannot raise money. And you have robotics industries that are in the logistics industry. I like think we had an example this past year. One of them sort of died out. You know, they couldn't raise money. And so like you kind of wonder, it's like, well, what's the challenges? Well, of course, you know, one of the big challenges is that physical robotics companies have a lot of physical costs. I mean, it costs money to build robotic hardware. And also, it's like getting physical robots into places is a much harder thing to do than getting software bots into places because software bots, you just, I guess, install the software and it's running. But a physical bot, you got to put it somewhere. And that is part of the problem. But, you know, I've seen people write about this industry, like, why is robotics so hard? You know, why are we, what's sort of the challenge? And well, there's there's, like, there's a couple of reasons why this is difficult. And the question is, will any of these problems go away? Or will robotics, intelligent robots especially, continue to have this problem where we have a lot of interesting ideas, but the companies just can never seem to get off the ground, right?
0: Yeah, you know, and as Ron mentioned, robotics is hard. And it also, there's a lot of money these companies need to have in order to actually build these robotics. Where with software, I think that your initial capital costs can be a lot less, where you really don't need much. With robotics, you need a lot of physical things. And so it just Requires more money. And also, I think that some of the companies out there, there's been a confusing, you know, they're confusing research, which can be kind of these pie in the sky ideas with actual product market fit. So I can build this cute little robotics toy and I'm like, wow, look at all that I've done and look at all the like technological advancements I've put into this toy. But in actuality, the children that they're marketing it to really don't care or they're marketing it to an adult market and it's super small and very niche. Right. And they're like, okay, well, <laughs> my product market fit clearly wasn't fair because only like 50 adults were interested in this toy. But look at all the cool things that I did with
1: it. Exactly. Yeah, that's sort of the problem. It's like the, the people who run a lot of these robotics, Robotics companies may be some of the best robotics researchers in academia. Around. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and around at all. Yeah. I mean, like, look, Rodney Brooks himself was one of the founders and CEO, I think, of Rethink Robotics, and he couldn't make it work. And nobody could argue that Rodney did not understand robotics. The guy basically was there during the whole second wave and sort of brought that whole thing. And so I don't think you can argue that it was a limitation of people who knew what they were doing. The problem was, is and continues to be product market fit, which is that you know, what problem are these robots solving? And is the way that the robot's solving it a good fit for the problem you're trying to solve? If you're going to basically build a bot that's going to a physical robot that's going to go down into a mine, and it's going to excavate, you know, some coal face, you know, or whatever, it's not going to look like a, it's not going to need a face, you know, I'm just sorry to say, it's just not going to need a monitor that's got a, somebody's like, in a robot face.
0: Right? <laughs> I know cute little eyes and a mouth. And
1: <laughs> yeah, and we laugh. But if you Look at the picture. I mean, we're not trying to single out, you know, Anki and rethink. But if you look at the Baxter bot, it's got a monitor with a face. You know, maybe part of it is to kind of give you this impression, the anthropomorphizing thing, which is like, you know, is robot guess happy with the kind of work it's doing, and it's like some sort of, I guess, visual feedback. But this is part of the disconnect, which is sort of what is the problem? What is the worker doing? Right? This is if you think of again the core of what the word robot is. It's there to basically do work that instead a human would do, right? And it's doing that work that a human really shouldn't be doing either because it's physically very difficult to do or you're like, you're in some environmental space that's not really fit for humans or it's like really dangerous. All the other things that we talk about really expensive. And that's really what robots are good at. And when a robot solves that need, it's like, there should not be a problem, honestly, with raising money because if you're solving a need and you have a customer and you got a product fit, people are going to want it. And I think that for us is part of this continued look at robots. And the other reason why we talk about robots a lot, you know, at least I do talk, talk about robots a lot and people are like, why do you care about robots? You know, as AI? it's like there's just two reasons. One, because when people think of robots, again, they think of this intelligent thing. So there's this like weird disconnect between what people in the industry would say are robots and what the random person on the street would say was robot. If you walk down to some random person, you would be like, Hey, I got a robot. Do you want to see it? They'd be like, Oh, that sounds cool. And then you show them. It's like, here's my little arm. That's basically doing pick and pack. They'd be like, Oh, or if you, or even worse, you'd be like, I got a robot. You want to see it? And then you'd like, what do you like? It's like, here's my software machine automatically inputting invoices into my ERP system. They'd be like, that's not a robot." I mean, they'd
0: be like this. That was a trick. <laughs> that was <laughs> not even cool to look at,
1: ironically, those actually are robots. <laughs> are both of those the things that right? those are robots they are repeating a task, right? One is repeating a virtual task, software task one is repeating a hardware task. But, but that's not what people think about. And so we talk about it because it's like, well, clearly people want this other thing, and the industry has not been able to deliver it. And I think even worse, venture capital is not really funding it. So I'm sorry to tell everybody here on this podcast, but, like, if the VC industry is not really funding the kind of intelligent robots that you are thinking about when someone says the word robot, you're probably not going to be getting those robots anytime in the near future.
0: Right. You know, and we'll continue to monitor this. We love to interview people from the robotics industry. Like we said, we had Colin Engel on. We're hoping to get Rodney Brooks. And we've also interviewed a few other people as well, some researchers from University of Maryland Mm -hmm. and others. So, you know, we encourage you to continue to check that out and we'll keep a pulse on this industry as well. Because Ron is very interested in this topic, but we at Cognolytica are as well because we want to see where it's going. And so we'll be tracking and monitoring it. So stay tuned for some additional research from us in this field as well. Now, listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. We also encourage you to check out additional episodes of our podcast at aitoday.live. So if you haven't been there yet, we encourage you to check it out and see what we have. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also, subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes.
1: Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link.
0: This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.